The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Let's go, Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Ambar Garcia, Brian Broadus, Patrick Walker, and Derek Eagleton. It is Monday, August 7th, 2023, season 19, episode number 15. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We're live from Oxnard, California. Man, we're rounding this thing out. We've been here two weeks. we got about two more weeks left, although we do get a slight respite. We get to go home for about, Just a taste. it's not even a full 24 hours. We'll be at home for the upcoming preseason game of Cowboys and kick it off this weekend against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Come back out for a final week, head out to Seattle for a game, mm-hmm. then we'll be back. And then we'll be heading into the season two weeks later. So it's, it's coming quick. It's coming really quick. It's almost time. It is. It's so what we're going to do today, uh, Brian's not with us today. He's actually back in Dallas at this point. So it's up to us to hold it down, or at least up to the three of us to hold it down for the next week. And then when we go to Dallas, we're going to actually leave Amber. She's, like, not coming back. <laughs> She's not coming so back. you suck. Stay behind. <laughs> She's not coming back. Dropping me off in Dallas. So the final week is going to be me and Patrick. And uh, I think we might actually have a little special guest for everybody that final week, too. Yeah. I don't know if Amber likes that idea, but we're going to see how it goes. Well, she's really relaxed right now from her massage. I don't think yeah, she cares. That's true. Right. That's true. She's feeling yeah, zen she's, right yeah, now. Yeah, she's zen. She's, in her she's, zen in her, she's on her wave right now. I just think once you parted ways with somebody, <laughs> you shouldn't necessarily go back to that. There is a period where you just stay away from each other. Fair. And then maybe down the road you might reconnect. But this is too soon. But, <laughs> hey, I'm not, so not going to be here, so early whatever. Morning relationship, early morning relationship advice from Ms. Garcia. <laughs> All right, so here's what we're going to do today. We got a lot to catch up on. Cowboys have their blue-white practice. It wasn't really a scrimmage. It used to be a scrimmage. It wasn't a scrimmage. It was a practice. Yeah. But have the practice Saturday, and uh, we had some, some notes from that. I want to hear from you guys on some of the things you saw, uh, some interesting notes uh, of players and moments. Uh, we'll definitely get into that mojo moment. That's something mm. worth discussing. Um, and then what we're going to do is we're going to round out our – we started this conversation last week, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. We have a few more positions on the offense and then on the, some on the defense. But we're really talking about camp battles. And we're going to go through each position. And we're going to kind of line out the top four, five, six players at that position so the fans can get an idea of, based on what we've seen out here, how this thing is shaping up as far as who's going to be your starters. In most instances, we know that. But what does your depth look like? Who are the guys that are your depth pieces, your third, fourth, fifth guys on the roster at each position we'll go through some of that we'll also take some questions remember we got our new text line up and rolling the number is 817-290-3298 again 817-290-3298 we'll take questions we'll take comments uh throughout the show so send us what you got and uh, we'll try to integrate you into the show all right so let's start first with uh patrick let's get some injury updates a couple guys ronald jones Luke Schoonmaker, what are we hearing about those guys right now? So Ronald Jones left the blue-white practice on Saturday with what's being described as a groin injury. Um, The severity of that is unknown at the moment. We'll get more information from uh, Mike McCarthy today as far as if Rojo is going to practice. Obviously, you know, tough week for him last week. Gets the news of the two-game suspension, and then he leaves on Saturday. So, And groins can be a bit nagging, so we'll see if he practices today or at all this week. We'll see how the Cowboys handle that. Luke Schoonmaker, um, 
bittersweet news more sweet than bitter. Uh, he suffered what Mike McCarthy described as a minor setback in his recovery from plantar fasciitis. The expectation initially was that Schoon would be on the field potentially for the blue-white practice, but the date was changed, but not too far out because the expectation is now moved to today. So we'll ask Mike about that today, if that's still the plan or if they're going to give Schoonmaker some more time. Um, Donovan Wilson, he was seen without a boot on Saturday. So big news there as he battles back from that calf strain he suffered a couple weeks ago. Initially, the injury, the prognosis was several weeks for he and Izzy, Israel Mukwamu. Uh, Donovan Wilson was on the sideline with no boot. That's key to note. And Israel Mukwamu actually returned to full team practice, full team duty. So the safety unit is getting healthy for the Cowboys. Uh, and that's great news, especially when you combine it with the fact that young guys, Wanye Thomas, Marquise Bell, they've been out there doing some good work. Sam, uh, Williams had a shoulder strain last week. He returned to full practice duties last Thursday. So, of course, he was participating on Saturday. So, Cowboys, uh, the minor injuries that they're dealing with, they're getting help, healthier. And Luke Schoonmaker looks like he's making uh, his way toward a training camp debut. How much do you, how much do you guys think this injury to Schoonmaker set him back? Uh, that tight end position, it's a it's an interesting position. And we're going to talk a little bit about that when we get into our, our depth but that's one of the positions that I look at, and I'm like, every day I'm seeing different guys that are lower down the depth chart making plays out here, uh, getting familiar with the offense. Uh, how much is this setting the, the rookie back? I mean, for a rookie, you never want to miss any type of time. You're still trying to build that relationship with your quarterback and and just go out there and run routes. But for a guy like him, I know when he was drafted, we were talking a lot about him and possibly him making somewhat of an impact this year early on, but I never really saw them that way. I still saw the other guys up front, and I'm curious what Brian would even say when it comes to blocking, how he was looking. That's the guy I haven't seen much out here when he was doing things. Were you noticing something as far as the blocking aspect of his game? Not quite yet. Not quite yet. So those are things that you're, I mean, it's a big step back. But like he said, we don't know how much time that's going to be. But as far as what I was expecting to get from him this year early on, it wasn't necessarily much. Well, for my stance, uh, when it comes to schoolmaker, Ambar makes a great point. When you're a rookie, you don't want to miss any time at all, especially at the beginning when it's your first training camp. You're trying to get your legs under you. You're trying to get uh, a chemistry with these quarterbacks. You're trying to build that on-field chemistry with the tight ends coach, Lunda Wells, and you know the, the veterans that are on the team, Jake Ferguson, Peyton Hendershot, uh, uh, Sean McEwen. Um, but you also have to factor in when he does come back to the field, He's not going to immediately be immediately be 100% coming off of a plantar fasciitis injury mm -hmm. as a tight end who's going to have to block, which means he has to plant his feet into the ground and hold anchor. He's going to have to run routes and get open in space. So when he comes back, let's say it takes two to three weeks for him to acclimate fully. So that's most, if not all, of training camp before he's back at 100% physically, maybe mentally, and then it's week one. So it made to your point, Derek. We may not see prime Luke Schoonmaker until, you know, four weeks into the season because he's missing training camp. And what sucks, my understanding from this type of injuries is that it's not necessarily something that you just fix. You know, you, you don't go and get a surgery and get it fixed right away or anything like that. It's something that even when he still, he feels good now and goes back out there, it can pop up again mm -hmm. all of a sudden. Who was it that went, was it Amari that dealt with that for a while? 
it was a receiver a couple of years ago. Yeah, I don't recall. Um, I think it might have been Amari. It's a very painful injury. I mean, yes. it's one of those painful injuries that takes you a while to get past, and there is no, there is no real like escaping the pain. Like the pain is the pain. You're just going to be right. in pain. Right, and it's also a weird yeah. injury in that um, if you've ever suffered it, or if you just kind of know of the the athletic um, medical side of it, you kind of want it to pop, so to speak. You would rather that ligament go ahead and pop so it can heal faster, as opposed to just being that strain because it's the strain that's more aggravating it's the strain that takes longer to heal so I'm sure there was a decision made there on if he wanted to have that done forcefully or if he felt like or if Britt Brown and the training staff and the medical team here felt like it was not so much of a strain that they didn't have to go to that extreme but it's a weird injury because you would rather it just and then you'd you'd heal faster. So a lot of things are, are kind of factoring into when Schoolmaker can or cannot come back. But again, McCarthy said the expectation now is that it happens on Monday. And as we're having this conversation, I'm seeing a report that uh, he will, in fact, come off of the non-football injury list today. Again, we'll confirm that with Mike when he speaks uh, in about an hour or so from now. But if that's the case, then yes, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get our first look at second round pick, former Wolverine Luke Schoolmaker in today's practice. And what we have to know is like I mean, also the most important important thing I guess I shouldn't say the most important thing but the thing that I want to see most from him as you mentioned Amber is the ability to block because that's where I feel like they they had some room I think they got a lot of tight ends on this team who can catch passes who can get upfield who and can make plays practice, you've seen the blocking not be there at times yeah yeah, exactly, and and that's what he did at Michigan. Yes. They they feel like they can get more out of him than just being a blocking right. tight end. But at the end of the day, if he's a great blocking tight end, that's valuable for the Dallas Cowboys. He's, he's very solid on his film from Michigan as a blocker. I believe, like you said, I believe that there's more in that toolbox than just being a blocker. I think he's the most well-rounded tight end in the room right now. Again, we have to see that on the NFL field. We have to see that on the Cowboys mm-hmm. practice field before we can really definitively say that. I like the progress in blocking that Jake Ferguson is making, for example. He's making strides in that category. So I think he's right there with Ferguson, but Ferguson obviously has the leg up. But I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what Schoon can bring. Uh, and he's not a small dude. This is a, this is a big boy. So uh, I think the blocking will kind of take care of itself. What I'm looking for, if and when he shows up in practice today, tomorrow, whatever the case may be, I want to see how comfortable he is running routes on that foot. That's going to tell the real story on how he, how good he feels or does not feel. Um, I will say, it. at least, at the very least, um, he's been getting work. What are those machines called? Jugs. The where they throw the ball? Jugs? Yeah, the Jugs machine. Yes, yeah. Jugs machine. he's been doing a lot of that, and he's looked pretty good. <laughs> I mean, oh, he's got that's hands. a, that's a, that's a, <laughs> it looks like an easy exercise, but you know, those balls <laughs> come flying. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he's looked good yeah. <laughs> catching those balls and at least working in that sense. So we'll see once he gets out there. Yeah, I'm not worried about his hands. He's got hands. Yeah. Honestly, about, I want to look at his foot. Honestly, for, for <laughs> well, both yes. the first and the second round pick, I, I know that the Cowboys feel like they can get more out of them than what they showed in college. But quite frankly, for me, if they can at least do what they did very well in college, Mozzie stopping the run, Schoonmaker blocking. If they can do that in their first year, that's putting the Cowboys far ahead of where they were because those are two areas where they could use that extra, uh, that ability where they don't really, they didn't really have it consistently last year. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to jump into uh, some standout moments from the blue-white practice. We'll get to that mojo moment. Uh, we'll let these guys tell you about some things that stood out to them, some players that stood out to them. We'll do that when we come back. DallasCowboys.com radio. 
Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah's savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now, Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is, Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Cowboys fans, after that move, we've just coined the term Rowdy Replay. Let's roll back the tape. Okay, there's our mascot Rowdy cheering on the boys. And now he's on his phone, on his Bank of America mobile banking app? Staying on top of his finances with his virtual financial assistant, Erica. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive. Cowboys fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. Member FDIC. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Hey, Cowboys fans, ready to spice up your next watch party? Bring Yokiero guacamole and be the game day hero. Yokiero means I want, and we know you want great, fresh-tasting, ready-to-serve guacamole for your home-gating and tailgating events. Made with real avocados and the perfect blend of spices, it will be the star of any party. You can find us at your local Albertsons or Tom Thumb in the deli section. If you can't find it, talk to your store manager and tell them, Yo Quiero, Yo Quiero Guacamole. Back to the break. Second segment. Welcome back. We are in the second segment of the break, live from Oxnard, California. And uh, we're going to talk about this blue-white practice that happened on Saturday. Um, I want to get to you guys giving me some of your standout moments or standout players. But before we do that, we got to talk a little bit about the mojo moment. And for those out there who are listening that don't know what the mojo moment is, essentially during practice, uh, coach will have a, a short period of practice where they will work on something. It's usually a competitive type situation that he wants to put them in, mm-hmm. uh, offense versus defense or special teams or something where there is competition. And, uh, and he just kind of highlights it for the whole team to be around and everybody's watching and see how the competition works. Uh, that day on Saturday, Mojo Moment was built around, basically it was kind of a two-play type situation. You have the ball. You're needing to get into field goal range. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're kind of right at the outskirts of field goal range. You get one play, and then after that one play, you got to get the field goal unit on the field. They got to try to kick a field goal to win. There were six opportunities. There was one made field goal. One. Five misses. Uno. What were your thoughts about that? And is it? I know there was a lot made of it. I think we all raised our eyebrows quite a bit. In the grand scheme of things, how? How important was that, or how much of a problem is that, in your opinion? That was a massive problem. Um, I've sat here on this panel now a couple times, and and we and I specifically said I was not convinced that the kicker that that's going to be the eventual kicker for 2023 is on the roster right now. And I said because the body of evidence is lacking. I hadn't seen anything. There's nothing on the resume. Now Viscaino, he 
did well in minicamp, but that's minicamp. So now you're out here, and I get it, the wind and whatnot, the elements, but that's football. The crowd, <laughs> you, that's saw, football. You, heard, you heard how the yeah. crowd was just eviscerating them after each miss. That's football. In that pressure-packed situation in the mojo moment, you missed between the two kickers. You missed five of the six, and the misses were not pretty. Mm-hmm. One in particular, it looked like it hit a bird and died in the end zone. <laughs> Only it did not hit a bird, so I don't know what happened in that instant. In that instant. My main point being, I already had concern, and I needed these kickers, one or both of them, to string together good days. But when the pressure was on and everybody was watching and the crowd was first cheering for them and then jeering against them because the crowd was displeased, they just started to fold more and more to the point where when they finally made the one, which was the final kick, the crowd exploded because the crowd was so upset that the first five were missed. And these weren't 60-yard field goals that were being attempted. So I had concern already. Now it's it's DEFCON 1 for me. So, Cowboys, I would love to see that kicker competition get another body in the room. Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. We'll see what happens and what they decide to do. Something that I don't understand, and maybe you guys do, is this whole thing. When you start talking about it, some people will say, well, this is a hard place to kick. Just the wind, the place, the trees, and I look and I stand out there, and I'm just like, "How? Like, I don't, I don't understand why that's even a, a point a to point." Yeah, to and I know Nick would be one to argue that and and say, "Well, this and the trees, and it, it looks Football. pretty simple to me. It looks pretty basic as to what you would have in any other place. The wind has not been crazy. That's you have the little." Orange flags on there on the poles. We're talking roughly, if you look at it, it's about 10 to 12 miles per hour is what the wind has been at its worst out here, which is not, again, that's not, not horrible wind. Yeah, it's nothing not nothing wind. that it should create the problem that we're seeing. Right. So definitely very concerning. And, you know, this is once again, I feel we're sitting here similar to what we were last year. Hopefully it doesn't play out the same way as it did um, going into the season and towards the end of the season, but uh, they have to do something. They have to do something quick and try to fix it and get the whoever it is to come out here or go to the star and start kicking and kicking and, and just better the craft. I don't, I don't know what else to say about this, but right now I don't think the Cowboys have the answer. Yeah, and I, that the tough part is, kicker is one of those positions where there just isn't a lot available to you at this time of the year. Now, ironically, there are a couple veteran kickers out there on the on the uh, on the uh, free agency in the free agency market. the The issue there is there most of them are, you know, older, which means most likely you're probably not dealing with kickers that have a lot of juice in their leg from the standpoint of they're not going to be booming 52, 53 yards regularly, mm-hmm. uh, but. If you can get one of them that can consistently kick from 45 and in and consistently hit those and get all their extra points, that may be your preferable option at this point. And now your offense just knows you're not going to be kicking a lot of those long field goals. That's not going to be what you had. Last year you had that. You could kick from, from deep, but I'm like, give me 45 in and I'll take it. See, this this is why this is why we get along so well, right? <laughs> because it, ah, I was saying this during the mojo moments, I was yeah. having this conversation with one of our colleagues. And, you know, obviously when you start to see these kickers make these misses, and the conversation was Mason Crosby, Robbie Gould. Yeah. And then the conversation moved to, well, what about age? These guys are mid-30s, whatever. 
And my point then is your point now. We're all on the same page when it comes to this. The guys out here aren't in their 30s and they're missing. Okay, so I don't want to hear about age. What I want is an accurate kicker, someone who's accurate up to 40, 45, if you had to push him to 45. Because at that point, your offense no longer has the crutch of knowing it has a Brett Maher or someone who can boot it 60 yards. So you actually know going into this drive, you better get across the 50 yard line minimum. Right. You better convert on second and third down to avoid fourth down and avoid needing your kicker to come in and save the day or save the drive. If you remove that crutch. It will probably and likely add push that you. much more yeah. motivation and, and push for McCarthy and Schottenheimer and Dak and the, the skill players to say, hey, we we have to get this. First. Well, how you call the plays? Will, yes, will we be have to yeah. get this this next conversion. We have to get across it because we know respectfully that this particular kicker, be it in their mid-30s, be it Crosby, Goo, whoever they bring in, we know they can't give us a 55-yard. We got to get in their range. So that makes the offense more of, uh, aggressive just by default. I love that thought process. Do you do you guys prefer a guy like a, a Maher? that you know has the leg to kick those 52, 53, 54 yarders, maybe even deeper than that if you needed him to. He's just a little bit inconsistent as he was last year on the on the extra points. What do you prefer, that or the guy that you feel more certain that he's going to kick that 40-yard in, 42-yard in, and you, you really don't have much of a shot once you get into that 50-plus range? I think it comes down back to Patrick's point. How confident are you about your offense? How confident are you that you're going to just drive it down the field and get closer to the end zone? And I just think that's that's a tough question, Derek, because you need both. You need you got to make those extra points. You got to make those extra points and you got to be able to hopefully get in there if you're far enough. Um, Give me freaking both. Is that too much to ask? In today's yes. NFL, nowadays, in today's yes. NFL, maybe it is. Yes. I don't know. It's like nowadays, it's too much to ask. Um, and definitely at this time of the year, it's too much to ask for the Cowboys. Like, there's not that guy's not sitting on the street. If he was that guy, he wouldn't be sitting on the street, right? That's factual. I mean, three points is worth more than one. So, <laughs> if you're Here's, kicking a field now, goal now you, rather than an extra so, point. so now you're okay with the guy that misses the extra point. Perfect segue to what I was about to How say. How good are you at converting? I, I'm going to completely <laughs> please the analytics crowd out there right now. Yeah. And I'm going to say, the hell with that extra point. Go for two. Okay? Yeah. Because the numbers bear out that you have a great shot of getting that two-point conversion. So, so don't worry about the don't extra point. Don't worry about the extra point. If I can get a 50-something yarder. If I can get a 50-something yarder, yeah. because inevitably, like a – to the point of you don't want to have that crutch for the offense. So that point still stands. But inevitably in the NFL game, there will come a point where your kicker will have to win the game for you on a three-point field goal. I need that to be more solid. You're contradicting than me. yourself. No, I said, no, you're not hearing I mean, me. I get your point. I get your I, it, point. Because there's an inevitability. Two things can be true at the same time. I, I want the crutch removed, period. I want the crutch removed. But we also have to understand that at a certain point, you're going to need your kicker to win the game. But now that ties back into the offense because let's say it's a game-winning drive, right? You got to go 98 yards. If you don't have – now here's the inevitability. You're sitting here, you're faced with third down or whatever on the opponent's 45-yard line, right? To Derek's point, it's going to force your play calling to be different from the first play of that drive, 
because you know that this might end up being one of those inevitable situations where man, we might need a field goal kicker to save us, but we can't have it at 55 yards out. We can't have it yeah. at 50 yards out. So, you know, going into that drive, we got to get chunk plays. We can't come out on the first play of scrimmage and run up the A-gap. No, no, no. You got to deep inside, deep outside, get some spacing. So it is an inevitability. But it's also true that it changes your approach if you don't have that kicker. But to answer the question succinctly, if you got to choose between one or the other, I don't care about the extra point because with this offense and this, you know, these skilled players, you should be able to get two points far more often than not. <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm just visualizing all of it. I'm thinking, well, we don't have Zeke anymore. Can this in those situations? I mean, you got Dak who still can run. I'm t- talking about that scenario. Yeah, you're trying to convert, and what that looks like, and what the offensive line currently looks like. Hopefully, it's improved by the start of the season. But I guess um, they just hopefully they just find a kicker that can. You, you bring up an interesting point there where you're talking about, I think what you're getting at is kind of short yardage, third and two, third and one, how are they going to pick those up? I actually expect, and I don't know that this is true, but I expect that we will see on some of those short yardage situations, we're going to actually see them throw the ball a little bit more this year. This is the kind of offense that's predicated on quick passes to get the ball out. I could see some three-step We've drops. I've seen that already here at training camp. Yeah, situations I, I think, where they yeah. throw the ball rather than run. I think I think three-step drop, get the ball out quick. You got these quick routes with your receivers. Uh, you got quick routes with your with your tight ends. You got quick out routes with your uh, I mean flare routes with your your running backs. I think there are ways that you will see this offense be a little more multidimensional. Uh, in how it approaches short yardage. It won't just be either line up and let the quarterback just run up the gut or hand it off to the running back and have him run up the gut. I think you're going to see a lot more opportunities for the receivers to get involved in some of those short yardage situations and them to convert in that way. All right, we're going to take our final break. We'll come back from these guys uh, on some of the things that they saw in Saturday's practice. Uh, We'll get some of their points. We'll also get some of your questions. Uh, You can hit us at 817-290-3298. That is our text line. Again, it is 817-290-3298. We'll be right back. DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Want to use the Cowboys locker room's favorite products? Check out the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Playmaker, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The Playmaker includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word cowboys. The Jack Black Playmaker, 10 bucks, free shipping. SeatGeek has your back no matter what kind of fan you are. So whether you're a diehard fan or a don't-really-care fan, a we-got-em-next-time fan or we'll-never-win-again fan, a here-for-the-tailgate fan or a first-one-through-the-gates fan, SeatGeek not only makes buying and selling tickets easier than ever before, they made just about everything else easier, too. 
So whether you're a Here Every Week fan or haven't been here in years fan, SeatGeek has you covered. Download the SeatGeek app today. SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Welcome back into Dear Doctor, the show where I answer life's questions with an ice-cold can of Dr. Pepper. Sheila, let's hear from our next caller, would you? Dear Doctor, my friend supported me during a tough time, but what's the right gift that says, thanks for being a shoulder to cry on? Okay, this one's easy. I say give her a delicious Dr. Pepper. Nothing says, thanks, girl. Better than a -a one-of-a-kind soda. Yes, any Dr. Pepper flavor will do. Now, just a reminder that I don't need to be a real doctor to know that Dr. Pepper is the one you deserve. Back to the break. Want to join the NFL's first and only high-energy co-ed dance team and drum corps? DCRB drumline auditions will take place at Next Step Dance at the Star in Frisco on August 27th at 2 p.m. For more information and to register, visit DallasCowboys.com slash DCRB. Welcome back. It is the final segment of The Break. We're live from Oxnard, California. The segment's brought to you by Blockchain.com. Thank you, Chris. And we are, uh, let's, let's get some opinions from you guys. Saturday, uh, the, the blue-white practice. Uh, I want to hear from you guys a couple moments or players that stood out to you. Let's start with you, Amber. What do you have, uh, what, what stood out to you? Well, I think overall, I love how this defense is looking in general. And I will say this, I am very, very happy and glad that they decided to pay a guy like Trevon Diggs and that he is on the team because when you see the guys on the depth chart you notice you notice the difference you notice so much the difference and one of the things I've noticed from Trevon Diggs the only thing I feel that he's right now missing is just being able to get his hands on the ball there have been so many different plays and situations where he gets so close so close but it just misses. Mm-hmm. And I think if he can start just grabbing those balls, getting those interceptions, he's going to take it to the next level. But overall, he's just – you can tell why he's here and what he's going to bring to the table and the way that he's elevating this offense uh, – defense, I'm sorry. And speaking of that secondary, I mean, and then you, you extend Malik Hooker for three years, $24 million. A few months after you, you know, re-signed Donovan Wilson, secondary is going to do numbers. And uh, even now, looking at the depth, the depth is starting to show up at safety. Wanya Thomas, Marquise Bell. But uh, Wanya Thomas, he stood out to me again uh, in the blue-white practice. But I'm going to go with Michael Gallup here. I know a lot of people, I mean, we've been seeing a lot of work, a lot of impact plays already being made here in camp from Brandon Cooks and from CeeDee Lamb. Uh, And the question is and has been, what does Gallup look like? How is he coming along? We're hearing a lot about Cooks and Lamb, but what about you know the, the third guy? Michael Gallup had a fantastic day on Saturday. Uh, he he looked springy. He was in and out of his cuts. He was crisp. He was one-handed catching the ball in traffic. He looked fluid on the cross routes, on the quick slants. Michael Gallup looked phenomenal. So for me, as much as many other players stood out, Wanye Thomas, Jabril Cox, Damone Clark, he's really starting to kind of give me the wide eyes like, whoa, I'm ready for that. Um, Michael Gallup, he really showed up on Saturday, and that's that's the Michael Gallup that I want to see, that the Cowboys need to see coming into 2023. When you look at this uh, this this overall offense, 
where are they right now as far as where you would ex- where you would have expected them to be? And you mentioned uh, the receivers, but just overall how they're looking. The defense obviously looks great. We knew they would look great. Mm-hmm. But offensively, do you get the sense that they're right where they should be? Do you think they're a little bit behind? Do you think they're ahead of where you would have expected them to be at this point? Uh, well, going to the most recent practice, the red zone drills, that was not good. That was not good at all. I, I don't know what you're about to no, point out, but overall, that. and the defense, uh, oh my God, I keep flipping the offense. In general, as far as training camp has been, I think they've been doing a pretty nice job. There have been areas where, yes, you need to perfect and work on, but Dak, to me, has looked really, really good overall in training camp. But going to the most recent one, that red zone drill, I was standing right there. I'm just like, oh, my God. Nope, miss, 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 miss. And everything, it was on the defensive side where they were just winning every single play. So that was an area where I'm like, okay, uh, this may be something that they need to work on. And most of these came just passing the ball. It wasn't necessarily running uh, on the ground. But that's a point where... Yeah, you don't want to see those types of things or Dax throwing the ball that way at times. And and you're not wrong. The offense absolutely struggled in that red zone drill. Um, but the day that the practice before, the padded practice before, they were surgical. Yeah. Uh, five touchdowns. Between, five for five, right? Yeah, five, five for five. five. Yeah. Five for five. Yeah. So my point was you're not wrong in that the offense struggled. My point was contextual in that the offense had such a phenomenal day against a an elite defensive secondary that you could tell the defensive secondary went back into the lab and said, that's not going to happen again. So then that very next padded practice, Dak and that offense looked very disjointed in that red zone. So credit to McCarthy, Schottenheimer, Dak, and his players for going five for five and basically just eviscerating the defense on that particular pad of practice uh, last week. But then kudos to McCarthy and Witt and Deron Bland and Trayvon Diggs for coming back out and saying, I bet you can't. They basically looked at Dak and said, I bet you can't do it again. And so now I'm interested. This back and forth between an elite defense and an offense that's trying to regain its elite status, that's what you want to see. Now, if – the if it was a consistent struggle for the offense in the red zone day after day after day yes you could still give roses to the defense but the concern would be rightful on the offensive side of the ball they're trading blows right now as long as they keep trading blows Mm -hmm. i'm completely fine with it but to your question Derek, i don't feel like they are where they are going to end up being and a large part of that is because the offensive line is still being sorted out so until the offensive line is sorted out and zach martin is back in the building back on the field they're not going to be able to win as many battles in the trenches, so they're going to be more disruptions from the defensive side of the ball because you, you have uh, Matt Farniak and you have Chuma Idoga and Idoga is kind of struggling, and then you have a, a rookie fifth-round pick and Awesome Richards who they're flexing, trying to figure things out. So you would expect that the defensive veterans on that line would win out more, and they are. So no, they're not where they need to be offensively, but even with a disjointed offensive line right now, they're still giving some hell to the, to the defense. So so if you're talking potential-wise, imagine what it looks like when that OL is sorted out. Yeah, this is not a – this is, in my opinion, this has not been a defense-dominant training camp. I've seen camps where one side of the ball was completely dominant over the other. It has not been that. Mm-hmm. I think the defense has shown that they're extremely good, which we already knew. But I think the offense has also had some days where you're like, oh, they got after the defense yes, today. So I, yeah. that's the beautiful part about it is, and that's what you kind of want to see during training camp. You want to see kind of this back and forth because that means that they're competitive, number one. But number two, 
they they are kind of matching one another. You know, you have a day where the defense will be able to win, and then the offense will come back and say, okay, we're going to try some different things today. And they try some different things, and they win, right? So so I, I don't think it's been lopsided. It I think has. this has been a very competitive training camp. Mm. I think the offense has been equally good. I yep. think the defense, we know that they are going to be exceptional. And, and my hope is that they will take that next step from being a top 10 defense to being one of the top two or three defenses in the league. Uh, but we'll see how, how that goes. But but we certainly are seeing out here that this offense is extremely competitive, I think, when you match them up against this defense. Absolutely. And, again, I'd, I'd love being able to agree with that in the same breath as saying the offensive line still needs to get figured out yeah. because I just keep coming back. It keep, keeps coming back to the same point in my head, which is if they can – make this many impact plays against this this defense who is like you said exceptional and you still don't know I mean there's chemistry still being built between Tyler and Tyron on the left side you're figuring out your right guard situation the absence of Zach Martin and yet you're still being able to make plays so that goes to both the play calling getting the ball out quickly getting it out on screens quick routes speed guys like Cooks and, and Lamb but it also goes to how hard those young guys like Matt Farniak are fighting so I love it Right, and well, you mentioned, sorry, no, I was just going to say real quick with Idoga, he, that's the guy you just mentioned too. He's a guy that, I mean, he's been constantly being getting beat. He keeps going up against a guy like Micah Parsons, and that's mm-hmm. an automatic. But I will say this, last practice, he he showed some fire. Mm-hmm. He was fighting back, and that's good that's right. to see. That's something that you want to see where you're not seeing a guy just that's constantly getting beat and just – keeps going down the slope you know he's the guy that showed up and is fighting back and now he's having very few moments but somewhat of a slight victory at times which should hopefully build his confidence but you want to see that type of progress where now he's making it harder on a guy like Micah Parsons to to fight and try to do to get to the quarterback all right let's take uh we're gonna get a couple questions here before we end the show we got a question yes, here let's go. um and he didn't oh yeah no it's Mario from South Texas he said shit Schoonmaker we were talking about him earlier be forced to miss time do you think that helps the chances of Hunter Lepke uh, making the opening day roster, or would Dallas use that roster spot on a different position? He's talking about the fullback, the only fullback on the roster. Uh, what do you think about that thought? I don't know that the two are directly related. I mean, obviously they're related as far as the math is the math when it comes down to cu- when it comes to cutting down the roster. But the more you ask Mike McCarthy about Hunter Lipke, the the more he kind of doubles and triples down on special teams, special teams, special teams. And then you go and talk to Bones, and Bones is impressed with what Hunter is bringing to the special teams front. So from the aspect of Hunter Lipke, he really just has to beat somebody out as a special teamer. I think that's going to be a special teamer versus special teamer battle. Luke Schoolmaker, uh, I don't think that the Cowboys are going to force anything. They're not going to force him onto the field any sooner than he needs to be, and they're not going to force him off of the field uh, any sooner than needs to happen if they see him making some plays and they get super cautious so uh, this just let the schoolmaker thing play out uh, and I anticipate him being available for week one but I don't know that he'd see equal reps as say Peyton Hendershot and Jake Ferguson as TE1 TE2 and then just give you know time for that to develop over the course of the season but no I don't think there's a direct correlation between if Schoon is ready to go then because I don't think Schoon is going to be a reservist starting the season so he's going to get his roster spot in my opinion and Hunter Lipke just has to beat out another special teamer whomever that might be retweet <laughs> repost actually <Yeah. laughs> this is actually an interesting question i'm interested to see how you guys take this uh this question comes in and says current cowboys offense less than 
greater than or equal to Amari, Zeke, and Schultz era? Hmm. That's Spicy. an interesting one. Spicy. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Wide receivers, I really like what they got going on right now. I think it's better than what it was. Tight end, I'm not ready to say they miss a guy like Schultz. I think they're they're sorting some things out and they need to perfect some areas that definitely need work, but I think they will be okay. Zeke, I'm not over that yet. I I I don't know about you guys, but I miss seeing 21, the white jersey, 21 out here running. Why are you making that face, Chris? You're just talking about someone breaking up and not bringing them back. (laughs) Oh, my God. Hold on. I got you, Chris. I got you. Hold on. on. Here here it is. Here it is. Here it is. That was more of a guy that was forced out of your. You're contradicting yourself. No, I am not. I am not. No. (laughs) Break up the high five. (laughs) He was kicked out of here. That's like someone that you have a relationship with and gets drafted in the military has to be taken away from you. Wow. Wow. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It was. Wasn't necessarily a mutual breakup, I don't think. Um, but for Dunkirk, like, all right. Back to the point. Back to the point. Even though some of these young guys um, have been showing some things, and, and we keep talking about a guy like uh, Chris Vaughn, he has been explosive. They've using him. They are using him in many, many different ways. Deuce. So, John Deuce. Oh my God! I mentioned his dad. I'm right. sorry. Listen, I talked yeah. to, about his dad. Chris looks like he can get out there too. So <laughs> yes. Kudos to Chris. Kudos to Chris. Chris looks like he can get out there too. Chris is his dad. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, well, I see Chris working out every morning. So yeah. uh, yes, he was fresh on my mind. But no, his son Deuce. He he's been doing really really good job, and Tony Pollard has done a good job as well. But there's still something for me that is missing. That is not what Zeke was bringing to the table and you talk back about those short yardage situation i think that's something they're still lacking out here they i don't i haven't seen a guy and 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 this is kind of hard to tell because you're not really fully tackling anybody but you know as soon as you see a small contact the defense is not going to go hard or anything but you see that initial contact you're like okay yeah that would have been it they wouldn't gotten far so that's I would say right now, overall, I feel like it is a little bit better, with the exception of not having Z. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it real easy. Break it down in three parts. The running back room, I think is uh, a lesser than sign than the one that had Zeke in it. Until I, until Especially first, Zeke in his prime. Correct. Let's be clear about until that. Until yeah. further notice, I think the running back room has taken a step back. Hopefully they took a step back to take steps forward, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Uh, tight end room. I'm with Ambar on this. I don't think that they'll miss Schultz's production nearly as much because of the ability of Ferguson, Hendershot, and then when Schoolmaker is, is full, fully a go and ready to, ready to show out. So tight end room, I think this tight end room, especially given that it's young and it has a longer shelf life, it's greater than the tight end room that was led by Dalton Schultz. Wide receiver group, this is where it gets arguable. Amari Cooper, easily one of the best route runners in the game. He's not a slow guy by any stretch of the imagination. But he's also not Brandon Cooks' speed and an ability to just teleport from spot to spot. So, again, on paper, which is all we can go by right now, on paper, Cooks' speed and route running ability, combination of those two, plus Lamb, plus Gallup, 
if we assume Gallup is back in prime form, which was what was present with Cooper and Gallup in that trio, then I'm going to, on paper, say this wide receiver group is a greater than sign over that trio. So that's two out of three, so my overall answer is yes. yes. This, this, this group on paper is better. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. I, the only part I think is a, is a question mark is the running back room. Yeah. And, and really, as for the points that you brought up, Amber, uh, we haven't seen yet their ability to be able to convert those short yardage runs. I think in a lot of other areas, I think in the passing game, they're probably better. Because I, I, Even though, and I remembered back when he was drafted, I remember the Cowboys talking, and I talked specifically with somebody in the organization who would have known it was part of the conversations that was like, man, we really think we're getting some in the passing game from Zeke. He's one of the better running back, uh, pass-catching running backs coming out of the draft in a very long time. And I don't know that the Cowboys they, ever really no, realized that. Linehan um, never I think, really I think Pollard that. is a has been, at least from the production on the field, has been a better option. And even out here, you see he just has a – it's a very natural pass catcher to me. Uh, it seems like more of a natural pass catcher, catcher than Zeke was. So I think in a lot of areas they may even be better. I still don't know what they're going to do on short yardage. They may have the right answers. Who knows? I haven't seen it. Going to your body of work, I haven't seen that yet. Correct. So that to me is the, is the big question mark, and especially Zeke in his prime. Zeke in his prime – you give him the ball on third and one, it was Bully. almost like you just didn't well, question that's, 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 Yeah, but, but, but that's, gone. that's what we're comparing. That's we're, com- we're, we're comparing his we're prime to where they are now, and I think compared, that's the one area where I think there are still question marks. Yeah. Uh, give the ball to Deuce Vaughn there, right? and – no. He, still, he still hasn't signed with anybody. Not yet. Yeah, but I'm not sure he's still that anymore. Like That's the other part to it. I don't know that Zeke is. No, but I think going back to last year, what we saw last year, if you find the right combination, I think it's the perfect recipe for the running backs. What you do with, with Zeke versus what you do with Tony Pollard, they both have different set, uh, set of skills that you use. Him. I think what fans were getting kind of annoyed about last year is that you were using – Zeke, you were still using Zeke a lot more than Tony Pollard, and mm-hmm. people wanted to see more of Pollard. But I think if you, if he was here, you would be able to create a better balance to where now you're just really utilizing Zeke in what he does best, which are those short yardage. I can't. But yeah, no, I get all that. Twister, but, but the but tough part to that is, is Zeke willing to be paid as a guy that's just going to come in? On third and short. Well, yeah, like, we're that's not the talking part. about money, though. But that, I know but it that's relates. The I know that's, it, right? that's, that's the, the whole and, and, all, issue and that ties here, into what I keep hearing from Mike McCarthy. And there's one statement Mike McCarthy said last week when he was asked about the Zeke equation, and he said, and I quote, "It's the reps." End quote. It's the reps. McCarthy is hell bent. I know the front office, they have the door still open for Ezekiel Elliott until the door is closed, i.e. he signs with another team. But Mike McCarthy is hell bent on getting these young guys into these games and seeing that. And then when you look at Rico Dowdle, for example, I think Rico Dowdle has an excellent chance to challenge for RB2. That's an opportunity for him. It's an opportunity for Ronald Jones to kind of step up. Malik Davis, year two, they're looking for that jump. You don't find all of this stuff out if you're giving the reps to Elliott. So that means, to his point, you would have to pay Elliott whatever his price might be because it ain't going to be veteran minimum. For him to come in and then willfully accept that he might not actually get reps that equal RB2, they'd be RB3-ish. So... That's why Mike McCarthy is like, I don't see how that fits. McCarthy wants the young guys in. He wants to see what he has and go from there. I get it. My concern is, and I know we're about to end the show, but what I'm worried about is every year we improve in certain areas, right? Every year you're like, okay, I feel better about this. I feel better about that. And then we get into it, and then you're realizing your weak spots. Mm -hmm. This year, 
<laughs> yes. Did I say that out yeah. loud? Okay. But this I hope year, I, I hope I did. This year, I think the the wide receiver group took such a big step mm-hmm. forward compared to last year. Running back, I don't feel the same way as of right now. I hope I'm absolutely wrong, but I just I don't want to see it where okay, we thought we were all in this year, and this is gonna be the year, and the defense is looking amazing. We were able to keep so many parts of the defense and Dan Quinn and all of that, and then you get into the season and you can't freaking run the ball or convert in certain areas because again, that I'm not talking down about on these what no, uh, yeah, no. these. Running back, you got to be able to run. Tony Pollard is fast, and some of these guys have been doing a really, really good job here at camp. But is it going to be enough? I don't know, and and that's an area that I'm currently concerned about going into this. But season. no, like I said, on paper they took a step back in the running yeah, yeah, back yeah. room, but hopefully the step they've taken back ends up in two steps forward. But we won't know about that potentially being two steps forward yeah. until we get November, December, January, especially. And I would also real quick for you in the show. Uh, what else I'd, I'd like to see maybe to help that is same way Philadelphia did last year with Jalen Hurts. You get to third and one, line up and let your quarterback run the there ball. Because Dak's a unit. Yeah, Dak is yeah, a unit. Exactly. He's Dak not, is a, not small a little dude. dude. He's like, not a he small can, dude. He can do this. And so in the same way Philadelphia did, and it became routine for Philadelphia. Like everybody in the stadium knew exactly what they were going to do, and they converted the vast majority of the time. Hey, and it's a copycat league, so push him. Yeah. Give Dak the ball and get behind That's him exactly and right. push. If they this. can do it. There's Cowboys a way to can do, do this. it too. Exactly. <laughs> I right, appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back on uh, Wednesday. It'll be our final show of this week because Friday we'll be traveling back Ooh. to Dallas because Saturday we get to kick this thing off. We Cowboys will take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. So then for Patrick Walker and Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about you, Cowboys?